Hi, I'm Katie Kramer, President and CEO of the Betcher Foundation. Welcome to Colorado Leadership Stories, where we talk to everyday, courageous leaders who have made transformational impacts in their communities and are building a better state for everyone. You'll hear from leaders and organizations and communities throughout the state as we explore the idea that leadership is an activity that anyone can do. Today, we have a special episode of Colorado Leadership Stories because we are joined by two guests from the same family who share a special bond. That is the mother and son tandem of Gloria Perez and Fabian Jimenez. Gloria is a 2022 Betcher Fellow who participated in our Doers and Difference Makers Fellowship Program, and Fabian is a 2021 Betcher Scholar. Their family is from Leadville, a place steeped in Colorado history and also central to the Betcher family story. We couldn't be prouder of both of you and equally ecstatic to have you join us. Fabian, we know you just wrapped up your fall semester at Colorado School of Mines, where you're studying civil engineering. And Gloria, thank you for making the trek down to Denver during a busy time of work for you. So good afternoon to you both. And we're glad you're here. Good afternoon. It's nice to be here. Yes, thank you. Good afternoon. Yep. All right. Well, let's just dive in. One of the great things we get to experience at Betcher is getting to know individuals, families, and communities who all have powerful Colorado stories to share. And you fit this description per- perfectly. Gloria, tell us a little bit about your family story and how you landed in Leadville, which if you didn't know it, is where the Betcher family opened one of their first hardware stores in 1878 to support miners of the day. It's also where Charles Betcher established an electric light company a few years later in the 1880s. So Gloria, tell us about your Leadville story. Yes. So my father immigrated to the U.S. when he was very young Mm -hmm. and my family and I stayed back in Mexico. And so for years, my dad would go back and forth, um, try to go every year or so. And then eventually he um, decided that he wanted to um, move us to the U.S. because he specifically wanted my brother and I to learn to speak English. My dad at that time was um, settled in Nevada, so northern Nevada, uh-huh. and that's where he brought us, and I think that's where he wanted us to to settle. He worked in construction, and back in like the 91 um, recession, there was no construction happening in like northern California where he worked um, in Nevada. So he had friends that had found um, construction work in Vail because Vail at that time was, you know, building mm-hmm. quite a bit and, and I think just, you know, taking off the ground. So he had friends that invited him to work in construction and found housing in, in Leadville. That's a lot more, you know, affordable than Vail. Right. So we moved um, to Leadville and settled there since. I was 10 years old at the time. Wow. Gloria, how has it been raising your family there? I think you, how your youngest son is, I think, same age as mine. Is in middle school now? Uh-huh. Is that yeah, right? Seventh grade. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh-huh. So how's how's that been raising a family there? So it's been great. You know, went to school in Leadville since I was in fifth grade myself, and I graduated high school there. And so, you know, we built a community of you know friends and close family that also lived in the area. And so I never saw um, reasons to to leave. It, it was nice raising my kids there. And for me, it was important that they, you know, felt part of a community and part of belonging. And I mm-hmm. always saw them, you know, engaged in 
their activities and and having friends there and so i never saw you know like i never saw like wanting them to take them out of school and like start over and so for me it was like important that they like start school in one place and have their same peers and um, be able to like graduate with the same peers that they um, started with. Um, but additionally, we, you know, have close family and it was important to, to stay close. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about your educational journeys, both of you, in particular for you, Gloria, your college story. Um, we know you led the way earning your degree as a non-traditional student, which of course involves some significant sacrifices and a particularly a very long commute. So tell us about that. Yes. When I decided to go to college, so in high school, I participated in AmeriCorps mm -hmm. and had earned an educational award. Right out of high school, I had my first son, so I put college on hold. And then um, my educational award was about to expire, which was, I think, like seven years later that I had graduated high school and I had both my oldest kids, Fabian and, and Eddie, and my award was going to expire. And I think at the time I was also, you know, starting to think about what, what to do next professional-wise. And I decided that I should use that educational award that I had earned through mm -hmm. AmeriCorps. And so I enrolled at Colorado Mountain College as a non-traditional student. I took every course that, you know, led me to like college level classes, um, every math class, every English class, everything. <laughs> and once I was at Colorado Mountain College, I, I would hear students, you know, that would transfer to like get a bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. And that was like the first time that I was, you know, even thinking about um, getting a bachelor's degree or even learning about, you know, um, four-year degrees. And so I decided that I could pursue that as well. So I um, transferred from community college. I landed at Regis University because it aligned well with being a working mom mm -hmm. and working professional. So I continued my full-time position and I signed up to Regis University classes um, that were night classes, um, and they would start at 6 p.m. and end at 10 p.m., but I could see that I could, like, get out of work, commute to Denver, and start class at 6, wow. and then leave at 10. <laughs> so, so it was a, a big sacrifice, but um, I wanted to do it that way because, it, again, it, it like, allowed me to keep my life going and to still be a parent and be there for the kids and their activities. And so, yeah, for two years, I commuted to Regis University doing the... Um, from Leadville. From Leadville. <laughs> the night classes, I would leave Denver it's at amazing. 10. Um, and arrive sometimes in Leadville, you know, with like winter storms. Um, I would have to drive through those. I'm like, but it, for me, it was like, I got to get home to my kids. I got to get home to my kids. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that was a, a big sacrifice. But I also feel like I never looked back. Like once I was in mm -hmm. it, it was like, I, I'm after that degree. I, I'm not stopping until I have it in my hands. That's amazing. <laughs> so, Gloria, I think that's really interesting to hear this journey of yours. And I think continuing on the journey, I just heard some news about you full circle with Colorado Mountain College. Yes. Say what you're doing now. Yes. Uh, so circling to right now, um, I 
um, just became part of the board of trustees for Colorado Mountain That's College. That's so cool. That's great. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank Thank you. A great example of, yeah, that, that incredible university that we have here in the state. Thank you. It made a, a lot of sense for me, um, you know, considering that um, that is, you know, where I started my mm-hmm. higher education and, and definitely feel a big um, advocate Absolutely. for higher education. And, and, and obviously, I love Colorado Mountain College. Mm-hmm. I started there. The kids also went there. Uh-huh. So. That's great. Well, Fabian, I want to talk about your journey yeah. from Lake County High School to Colorado School of Mines, where you're a junior this year, right? Yes. Yep. So what were some of the challenges of that transition, in particularly coming to a campus of more than 7,000 undergraduates from a high school class of several hundred, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, first of all, go Panthers, go Ore Diggers. Um, <laughs> I think, I mean, definitely going into that, uh, my first year of college, I, I had heard like the reputation that Mines had as far as rigor and like challenging coursework. I remember hearing it from like a friend during a cross country meet who had like a really close friend that attended the school. Um, and she was like, you gotta be careful. It's really, really difficult. And I remember just like being like, you know what? Like, I was like, no, don't worry about me. I know I'm gonna be all right. Um, and then, you know, I quickly ate my words after the first class, it wasn't very long. Um, and I think, I mean, overall my first year at Mines was very humbling because I think I did go in with the mindset that I was gonna be able to like, do everything the way I wanted to, everything was gonna fall into place the way that I saw it would. Um, And like I said, it was literally the first class. I remember it was eight in the morning, Calc 2, and they handed us like a sheet of integrals. And I was like, I don't know what any of this is. And I think it was really challenging in part because um, I didn't necessarily have like the exposure to STEM through high school. And Mm -hmm. so I think that was one thing where I fell behind on just a little bit of lack of resources from like Lake County High School's end, Um, but also just like, I think the mentality about like school was just a bit different. I think school for me was always like an opportunity to engage in other things that I loved, um, whether that was like people or like sports, something that I was really passionate about in high school. And when I got to Mines, it was like a complete shift. And it was like school was the reason that I was there. And it was like almost all or nothing with that. And so I had to quickly learn that. Um, I remember I called my mom a couple of times, just like, you know what, that physics class sucked. I don't know if I belong here, mom. And I think another challenge that added to that was just the diversity at Mines. It's not known as the most diverse um, university. And so I think just finding my place um, along with the challenging coursework, I think it was really hard for me to find my footing in both ways. And I would say it took me the entire year, that entire first year to really get settled in, to really find a group of friends that I think um, Mm -hmm. that I resonated with, that really felt like um, I belonged with. And then finally, just being able to finally have like the the skills and time management to like apply myself in class, do my homework on time, and also set aside for things like extracurriculars where I was there able to like invest um, in my passions outside of school and in the people that I wanted to meet. And so it was really challenging to like go from Lake County High School where I did feel like everything was able to like happen the way that I wanted it to. I was able to be involved in like different extracurriculars, sports, school was always okay and personal life, of course. But then once uh, once I got to mind, it's a complete 180. And so navigating that and figuring out what was gonna work best for me, I think that was, it was a really challenging year to say the least. I bet. And as you think about other students that are coming up mm-hmm. and making that transition, what advice would you give them? I think just give yourself some grace. One of the things that I didn't necessarily feel like I did was 
I was really hard on myself about not doing good in college. I think I had the expectation that things were going to be like they were in high school, that I was going to be able to get the grades that I that I wanted, that my efforts were going to be enough to get those grades that I wanted. Um, but at the end of the day, I think I just needed a little bit of time. Just recognizing that it would be a lot better off in the long run if you take care of yourself first and then prioritize like things like grades after that. Oh, that's such good advice, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Take care of yourself first, so then you can deal with the other things. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. Good, good. Um, Fabian, I, th- I think one of the things that is just so special about you um, <laughs> is that you were awarded the Emerging Community Leader Medal yeah. <laughs> by Governor Polis as part of the 2021 Colorado Governor's Citizenship Medals. It's an incredible honor. Definitely. Only one is given a year and you got it. And we were so, so proud when we heard that news. Um, Share some of the volunteerism and community outreach work you did as a high school student in Lake County. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up, Katie. Really grateful for that opportunity to have met Governor Polis and to bear such an honorable um, award. (laughs) I think looking back at it, it's still pretty unbelievable to me. But um, through high school, actually, a lot of the volunteer opportunities that I did um, became possible because of the work that my mom did. Um, one of the, one specific example was the volunteering that we did um, for the races that happened in Leadville. And oh, right. so, yeah, so there's the Leadville race series. And one of the weekends is the Silver Rush 50s. And so one of them is like the 50 mile bike race. And then the next day is the 50 mile run. And so we took the Saturday because our dad does those races. Well, right. My dad does those races. We took the Saturday to volunteer at the aid station there um, and advocate for like suicide prevention. And so we did that a few years in a row through um, my mom's program with my brothers and I, um, and along with like some of our teammates that we would um, bring out as well. Um, and so advocating through that, and actually it was really powerful to listen to some of the stories. Um, I remember very vividly a lot of people would come up to us and tell us thank you for doing this work and for advocating for such a great cause. Um, and then people that would come and share like tattoos, like a semicolon tattoo, um, and share their stories behind that. I think finding the value in volunteer work through that and the stories that people have to tell, um, that was an amazing opportunity. And I think that's definitely one that I hold close to my heart as I'm passionate about mental health, but also taking some time through my own interests in like student senate. It was uh, also a great opportunity to volunteer in high school, but really moving uh, voices through like civic duty. And so junior and senior years of high school with Student Senate, um, we helped organize a voter registration drive. Um, And so our junior year that entailed going to like parent teacher conferences and um, getting, you know, distributing information and voter registration information that way, um, getting it to parents that may not have had access to it before, um, students that were eligible to vote. Um, And then the next year really amplifying those, those efforts so we could still reach these populations during COVID, right? Um, And so releasing like digital media, I remember making a video that got posted onto like Google Classroom, Mm -hmm. Um, probably not the most flattering angle. I do remember it was (laughs) it was a little bit funny, but getting those sorts of things sent out and then showing up to classrooms there and getting people to sign up and register to vote in class right there. Mm -hmm. I remember actually one of the things that was a bit interesting was we had all these goals to get um, as many people to register to vote as possible. And we did meet them in the end, which was really cool. But one of the things was that a lot of the students there weren't able to register to vote, partly because of the age restriction, but also because of like citizenship status. And so Leadville's population is, it's got a, I think, I don't know if it's predominantly Hispanic, but it is, there's a large Hispanic population. 
and realizing the sorts of barriers that exist there in just like such a small community um, into understanding what ways we could still elevate those civic voices. And looking back at it, it was really cool to like have that opportunity. And like, even though I know there's members in our community that aren't able to like exercise their right to vote, there's still other opportunities for them to advocate for the voices and the, the ideas that they have for which ways they want our communities to go. And so um, that was probably my most proud accomplishment, I think, looking back at high school and some of the most proud work that I think I've done. And actually, um, looking forward to taking that into minds and potentially going back to Lake County High School and Colorado Mountain College and seeing if we could do something even bigger for this election. So trying to return the favor and see if there's more work to be done, because of course there is. Yes, always, right? Yeah, definitely. Gloria, how proud of you were you when you saw him on that stage getting his medal from the governor? Wow, it was such a, an amazing moment. And I'll share the little anecdote of when Fabian got a call from the governor's office and said, you know, we're calling you from Governor Polis's office. And Fabian called me and I was like, I think you're getting a scam. And don't, you know, like, don't share any identifying information. Like, yeah. if they ask you for this, make sure you don't give it up. <laughs> And it was actually and the it was, governor's office. And it was yeah. actually yeah. the governor's office. And so, um, yeah, going to to the whole event um, and, you know, having Fabian there and, and hearing him on stage, it, it was um, definitely a, a great, proud moment. Awesome. Well, mm-hmm. let's talk about you because you're pretty <laughs> awesome, too. Yeah. Uh, Gloria yeah. is one of our Betcher Foundation's beloved fellow alums. Um, our Doers and Difference Makers Fellowship is a program that's in our third year now, um, but we want to support and elevate mostly rural Coloradans who make a difference in their communities. And our goal is to support the lives and careers of those individuals who may not have always had a seat at the formal leadership table. So Gloria, tell us about your, your experience in the fellowship and what you've been up to since finishing the program earlier this year. Yeah, well, it was great to be selected. I am so grateful to have had the opportunity. The fellowship, um, I will say it was a lot of things. Um, I feel like, well, for one, it, it was very emotional for me to go through this fellowship. And I, I, I think it's because it was almost like zooming out to like a 30,000 view, right? Of uh-huh. like what I had done uh, in my community since I was young. And I think we shared this among like the cohort, we talked about it, of, you know, like you always get involved in, in community work or this or that, or, you know, I'm passionate about this. And you don't think about yourself as a leader. Um, you're just doing... Just doing what you do. Just doing what you do, <laughs> right? Or saying yes to this uh-huh. or saying yes to that because you got invited. And so amongst our cohort, we would... We talked about, you know, like stepping into the, the fellowship was almost like like you got your leadership shoes or <laughs> right? like, like here they are, like you can step into these shoes. But we kind of talked about that, right? Like why, why did it take that, right? Why did we have to get, you know, like accepted into a fellowship like Better to feel that way? Mm-hmm. Um, But again, all of us agreed that it was like, you know, like, okay, I'm owning that I am a leader, you know, um, but I have been in the past. And and so, again, it was like very emotional to 
to think of like kind of the hurdles, right? Of like how I went to college or, you know, to, or, or the sacrifices, right? That, that you do make sometimes mm -hmm. as like, even like moms, I, I yeah. think you can probably resonate with this. Absolutely. Right? And, and I've heard it a lot lately from, from other women of like, you know, we sometimes expect to have like the, a warm meal, a clean house. Um, and, and when you're stepping into the community to take on work or um, leadership roles, a lot of times that's not possible, right? right? It's, you know, I talk about it all the time <laughs> that, you know, all of my kids have gotten forgotten at summer camp. <laughs> it's <laughs> true. It's, it's good for you. <laughs> it builds resiliency. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, no exception, right? All of you were forgotten, you know, at once. I like, you know, somebody had to call me and say, like, Feynman's still in the, you know, after school library program or summer camp. Mm -hmm. um, and so, again, like, going into the fellowship, like, you reflect on all of those mm -hmm. things, right? Like, oh, that, that's right. Like, the times that I you know, didn't pick them up or didn't have a warm meal. Um, and again, it was like, okay, like I'm stepping into this, like, you know, recognition. So it, it was really beautiful. Um, and you're doing so much. And I, I, I did want you to share um, what you're doing for work and in the community in, in Leadville. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, what I am doing right now, so over the last 13 years, I have been the supervisor of the Lake County Wraparound Program, mm -hmm. which um, I would say that's my baby. Um, <laughs> I started piloting that program. I was hired to pilot that program with just 15 hours a week of working with families that have complex challenges, so families and youth. And well, quickly the need was there because fast forward to right now, we have seven full-time positions now. Wow. Um, so we serve um, youth that are multi-system involved or just have any, you know, high risk, um, complex needs, including um, youth experiencing homelessness. It's a it's a big part of the program that we have developed. Um, initially, again, the program was built for youth that were sort of multi-system involved or, um, again, that kind of high behavior challenges. And we quickly saw that a typical referral might be a youth experiencing homelessness that was a perfect, you know, student, straight A student, athlete. And so they were not meeting that criteria of multi-system involved. And so it was like, okay, well, we have this, you know, set of criteria to get referrals. But look, there's this other population that... Mm -hmm that we're getting referrals for, um, and we developed that part of the program. And to this day, it's um, actually quite a growing um, area for us um, as, you know, Colorado experiences housing crisis. And as we get influx of like new immigrants, mm -hmm. we do get a lot of um, unaccompanied minors, uh, you know, coming through our program. So again, that program has just grown, grown a lot. I've also taken on a new project, um, which is a community justice um, project, and that is um, to be able to address gaps within community justice and, and the court system, um, which is a very exciting opportunity because they line up so well um, in the current program I see you know, issues like generational, right? Like generational incarceration. Or just the highest risk, right? The the youth that come across um, the systems that might be at higher risk of um, becoming, 
you know, incarcerated or um, not graduating from high school, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so just across the board, um, it, it's a lot of great work. And very impactful. Mm -hmm. And Fabian, what do you think about when you see your mother doing all this? Oh, stuff? man. Proud is definitely an <laughs> understatement. I think, I mean, I remember my mom coming back from like her trips with the Betcher Fellowship and telling me all about it. And it was just so heartwarming and inspiring to listen to all the work and all the takeaways that she had. I know um, I'm a big learner and I like to learn through other people's experiences. So being able to like take my mom's experiences and hear the things that she learned and, you know, take them into my own. I think it's it's been a very positive impact on me that way. Um, but also just from like a broader family sense, I understand that um, we're all definitely inspired by my mom and the work that she does and understanding that all of us in our family have an opportunity to give back in a way that to give back to our community in a way that, you know, we've seen my mom has. Mm -hmm. And so um, just talking to like my dad and my older brother and soon my younger brother, <laughs> who I know will, he's got a big heart. I know he'll take on after my mom. We're searching for opportunities to give back to our communities um, and knowing that that was my mom that paved the way. And so um, just... <laughs> Proud is definitely an understatement, but awesome. very Thank happy. You. Awesome. I hope my boys say nice things about me someday like that. <laughs> they will. They will. I, um, I, I've had recently, like I've been to, you were asking like what I've done recently. So I also um, just came back actually from Orlando in November. Um, so I went to this all women's um, leadership conference with um utilizing my professional development grant. Oh, good. So thank you. And, mm -hmm. and you know, a lot of what I actually encountered there, it was like 2,000 women all in leadership positions. And the most common thing that I heard there was like, you know, the am I being a good mom? Mm -hmm. Am I, you know, should I scale back my career because I am not devoting enough time to my kids or because I'm not doing this or that? And I actually found myself because I, I happen to have adult kids that I could validate that for them, that I, I could validate, like, it's okay for you to be here at this conference. Like, mm -hmm. your kids are going to be okay. Your kids are going to say nice, nice <laughs> things about you. <laughs> trust me, they're watching to, right? the world. <laughs> That's right. Uh, trust me, like, your kids are watching you. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, again, like, those times when they, you know, you missed a birthday or you missed a meal or you forgot them in the after school program, like, no, they're, they're paying attention to the work and the impact that you're making. Mm -hmm. And those things, you know, will go actually unnoticed and, and your work gets noticed. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. I think that goes unnoticed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A <laughs> uh, couple more questions for you. Um, one of the things we hear about in Colorado, we talk about a lot, particularly when we're out visiting and meeting leaders around the state, like in communities like Leadville is the rural and urban divide. For both of you, what do you think more urban and metro area Coloradans could learn from our rural communities and families? Um, I would say from a professional perspective, um, it, it, I, I think like I often see, you know, like, for example, like in, in the program that I work for, we obviously like um, write a lot of grants and, you know, we operate with grant funding um, and it will be, you know, the things that I would say like get created for communities overall and, and not having in mind that, you know, like, it works differently in a small community. Mm -hmm. And so one example I can think of is like 
some of like the, for instance, like confidentiality, you know, that it's like, well, in Leadville, we know each other. Like, so <laughs> the confidentiality rule has to be a little different because, mm-hmm. you know, like when you have this requirement, you know, for a community, like we all wear so many different hats. Right. Right. Like I sit on a couple of different boards and it's, you know, like all of us that participate on boards uh, participate in more than one. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that, you know, from like kind of a system perspective um, is um, to be able to work with those, you know, with those communities so that you can have an understanding of, of again, like what applies in a small community um, versus, you know, I, I think, again, that's a little bit of a frustration of mine when I see like, well, this got created for, <laughs> you know, for big organizations mm-hmm. and we're like a small organization. Mm-hmm. Context is different. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Context is different. And and other than that, we were, you know, talking about the when we were coming here, the, you know, the just the the small community, right? The small like sense of um, getting to know everybody, right? Um, going to the grocery store and you just run into all the people that you know. That's right. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that. How about you, Fabian? Anything you'd add? Yeah, I think um, maybe taking a bit more of a personal take on it is just, I think it's really easy in a smaller rural community to understand who people are. And I was telling my mom um, on our way here, uh, especially when it comes to cars here in the city, I think it's pretty easy to just like see people driving by and just acknowledge them as cars just passing by another part of traffic. Um, but in a, like a rural community, you probably know the person in the car. You probably know who's driving that car. Um, and I think it allows you to humanize the person behind the wheel and mm-hmm. empathize with them a lot more. And I think like, um, especially having like driven here in the city for a couple of years now, it's really nice when somebody lets you in, you know, and I think like, I think there's not enough of that that goes on in cities. And I think it's very easy um, to view life as like an individualistic standpoint from cities. Um, but I think once I step away and go back home, it's really nice to feel like the overall community feeling, feeling like you know one another, feeling like another person wants to listen to you, wants to get to know you. Um, I think that I would really appreciate having, feeling more of that I think in cities. I think it's, it's harder to come by in cities. And while I do acknowledge that there's people around um, in cities that do make those efforts to the level that um, I think spans connection, um, it's very common in small communities. And I don't think it you could go without it in a small community. Mm-hmm. Well, we are together recording this. And do you have any goals? Are you doing New Year's resolutions this year on anything that you would share? I would say don't let my husband listen to this because I probably say uh, this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the sh- shop less. Uh, I, I'm a shopper. <laughs> and it's always like, you know, he gets so frustrated with me because I have so much stuff. And it's like, okay, like this year I won't be shopping as much. So we don't have so much clothes and shoes to take out. But I, I guess I always say that. <laughs> shopping less. Okay, got it. How about you, Fabian? Yeah, Dad's not gonna believe that. Uh, um, I actually have picked up a new hobby, and that's um, I've been wanting to like tap more into my musicality. Yes. Um, and so one of my New Year's resolutions is to listen to different types of music. Um, so like dance, EDM, um, like folk and country music. I think are on the list. Um, and a lot more. Um, and then I also picked up a keyboard, a keyboard piano at the thrift store. Uh-huh. And I used to take piano lessons when I was younger. And so picking that back up, 
Um, and so one of my resolutions is to learn a few songs that I can play for some people that I care about. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. I love that. that maybe maybe great. you would do a small concert at the Better Foundation yeah, for the staff. Hopefully. That yeah, hopefully. That would be awesome. That would be really cool. I love it. <laughs> well, um, you've survived the experience here, and there's just a couple more questions. We're in the lightning round. Let's so see. we'll do it. You ready? Okay. I'll ask a question, then we'll do Gloria and then Fabian. Okay. okay. What is your favorite Colorado hobby? Um, running and hiking. Well, I'm going to say driving to the mountains. Driving to the mountains? Yeah. Yeah. I've been able to appreciate it a little bit more since living in the city. And I think there's just like the drive itself is very peaceful to me. And I think once I get there, being able to enjoy the views, it's really nice. Absolutely. Well, and you all live in a pretty place up there. What is your favorite Colorado (laughs) landmark? Well, I guess I I don't know if it's considered, but um, Independence Pass Uh that goes from Leadville to Aspen. Yes. It's one of my favorite nail drives. biter in my memory <laughs> it's that to me it's just like so breathtaking and every year we we go the, um at least once we gotta go over the pass mm. in the fall before they close it because it is only open for memorial weekend <laughs> that's and right labor day weekend and so but it's breathtaking uh, isn't it's it breathtaking to mm-hmm. to do it in the fall absolutely mm-hmm. how about you um mine's pretty easily mount elbert Okay. Um, yeah, so that one's right outside of our windows. Easy to say because we see it. Uh, I saw it so often growing up. But I also hiked it for the first time when I was like six or seven years old. Uh-huh. So I was up there on the tallest peak in Colorado at an early age, and that was really cool. That's very cool. Okay, what action hero do you most identify with? Oh, my gosh. There's a, I don't have one, I guess. And the little fact about me is like I'm a not a, a fiction fan. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm like... Do I have one? You're super mom. That's who you are, Gloria. Super Thank mom. You. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Fabian? Um, uh, you know, on the way here, I was trying to think of somebody. Um, and I think Zuko from Avatar The Last Airbender has a great character arc. And I think his resilience is very admirable. Nice. I love that answer. Have you seen yeah. The Last Airbender? Yeah. That's awesome. That's, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, again, Unexpected. Could... Yes. That's great. And the kids did make me watch the whole Avatar series uh-huh. during COVID. So <laughs> well, good. The last one I watched as well. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Okay. Final question. What are you currently binging? Is there a show or a book or a podcast that you're listening to or reading or... Um, not recently, but I think you can find me binging on, you know, because I, I feel like I, again, like I'm always up to something like in the community or, you know, a new project or something. So, but a little, again, fact about me, I love reading or just like watching royalty. Oh, very good. <laughs> so, so my husband at, at some point also says, you know, like, okay, I got to start learning about like all these princes for... <laughs> Uh, princes and right for and royal families from Europe and all of that because you can find me like riding in the car and just like oh my gosh like Prince William is up to this (laughs) (laughs) I love it that's great how about you baby I haven't picked up a book in a while I think the last one that I was reading was the five people you meet in heaven Uh um, which is a really fantastic book Um, but lately I've been doing a lot of music um, specifically Frank Ocean Okay. Um, and so I recently bought a couple records of his and been listening to those on repeat for quite some time now. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Love it. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming in. And it was great having a visit with you. Thank you for joining Colorado Leadership Stories, where we hope to inspire the next generation of Colorado community builders, 
doers, and difference makers. Colorado Leadership Stories is presented by the Betcher Foundation. The Betcher Foundation supports Colorado by empowering leaders and communities with tools to tackle challenges and pursue opportunities, building a better state for everyone. With an 85-plus year legacy of giving back, we're committed to amplifying our impact for future generations. That's the spirit of Betcher.